Hi, I'm Bill Cody, and this is another edition of the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. Today's guest is Mike Watt. Sometimes known as the unofficial mayor of San Pedro, Mike Watt is best known for co-founding the rock bands The Minutemen and Firehose before going on to a successful solo career. He is currently the bass player in Iggy and the Stooges, and in 2008, he was honored by Bass Player Magazine with its prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, let us begin. All right, well, we're sitting here uh, with two old friends, Mike Watt of the Minutemen, Firehose, Solo Career, Iggy and the Stooges. Yeah, 125 uh, months with the Stooges. Fucking A. I'd just uh, like to say welcome, everybody, to the motherfucking Chris Kirkwood podcast, uh, sponsored, uh, started, and hosted by Bill Cody, yeah. and I'm here with one of my very favorite people on the whole fucking goddamn world, Michael Watt. Thanks for having me aboard, Chris. Hey, man. Thanks for coming down, Mike. I love my Michael. First time was the L.A. Press Club. Oh, and we fucked that shit up. I think Derek... Kites the drums. He hikes the drums. <laughs> out the window. Oh, out the fucking upstore, upstairs But I remember these guys, they did this cover of 96 Tears that was just fucking righteous. And I, the next day I saw Greg Ginn at SST and I said, there's a band you might want to check out. This is the Genesis out. right here. This is the Genesis. Michael Watt, tell him about it. Yeah, it was from seeing that gig. And it was a Monder gig, I think. Because I didn't really know Meat me Puppets. Yeah. Or Bent. Oh, Bent. Wow. Remember those crazy guys? Fuck. It was kind Getting of a, a LA Free Music Society people. Totally. Yeah. Totally, you know. It wasn't, uh, you know, in those days, punk was not a style of music. No, it was bitching. Every band was... It was fun. Yeah. I liked it. It Wild. was fun. It was chill. And then you didn't know what it was going to be like, and this is what happened to me. I had my fucking mind severely blown at this band. Actually, they're on, I found out later, they're on this album with this band... Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, they, they stopped playing, and these guys... Monitor. I, I think it's called Hair. Monitor. Yeah, yep. The Monitor. band was Monitor, out of Van Nuys, California. Kind of a... Va yeah, Valley Band. But I think they have and some the roots in Arizona, hair. though, too, right? I think it's more Ohio, you know? Ohio? I okay. think there's a diva. They weren't out there. of Cali. Hardly anybody was from Cali. You know, I'm from Virginia. None of us Minutemen were Pedro. But anyway, I think that's <laughs> the trippy kind of thing. And I know some dudes, though, came from your place, like Paul Cutler and Don Bowles. And, and, and it was David. Oh, it, was, it was David, David Wiley. Right. You know? Consumers. The I saw consumers. them play at the whiskey. You saw the consumers. At the whiskey. Fuck. It was trippy. He had a little cowboy gun in a little holster. They were fucking He ended good. up being in the singer of Human Hands. Yep. Yeah. And he was friends with Derek. And because of that connection, uh, you know, he like, Derek started sending him cassettes when, when Kurt and me and Derek started playing together, right? And right. so that, that made it out here to Cali, you know, and David got that around to the degree that like our first gig out here was at this little art museum here in Hollywood with uh, 45 Grave. Okay. You know? Paul ended up playing with him. Yeah, yeah. And it was Paul and Jimmy, you know, Don Bowles. Right, right, Gersetti, right, right. You know? And he ended up the germs drummer. And fucking yeah, I, Il Duce was there. We just saw Don Bowles was uh, at uh, Burgerama the other day. We were. Oh, right. They had that big in yeah, Orange yeah. County. You guys know. were down there. I, I, I came over, you know. Bill talked me into doing this podcast. That's what's going on. We're doing a podcast, right? Right, right. And, like, you know, you've always been good at that, Michael. You've always been personable. And you took the fucking reins, you know, after, you know, after, after D passed. His birthday's tomorrow. Tomorrow. His birthday. That's the one I always remember. I never remember the other day. You know, <laughs> okay. Michelle's birthday was the other day. Yesterday. 
you know? I so I always that. think the birthday, yeah, not the know? leaving day. Yeah, no, fuck that. No, that's a painful So, one. So was this LA free, uh, Press Club gig the second gig? Third gig? Fourth? Something, you know? Okay, but somewhere early on. Early on, early on, early on. And the, the fun part of that was at the end of the night, there we are outside, me and Kurt, right? And we're like, where the fuck is Derek, right? And all of a sudden we see this window open up on top of the fucking thing, right? And drums start coming He's out. He's He fucking, he, he fucking heisted right the whole window. fucking drum kit. It's like Bostrom, like, because he was like a straight kind of a guy. I know, you know I know, I, mean? I know. But in another way, he wasn't. Yeah, he was but he appearance. wasn't, you know? And he's just like, you know. <laughs> it was just appearance. These drums need to be mine. Yeah, and he right. made them that way. Well, they were like all dusty. I guess they'd been back there for a long ass But they time. were like a, it was like a Gretsch Oh, yeah, kit, yeah. You know? And, you know, I guess it was like the house kit, like they had gigs there. <laughs> not, a, not anymore. <laughs> not Even anymore. In those days, that. it was decrepit, man. The LA Press Club, that's a whole different kind of era. Yeah. That's kind of the early punk era where. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys, they come in, it's the early 80s, uh -huh. I think. But it was still, there was still some of that <laughs> 70s punk there, which a lot of those people, there wasn't a lot of kids. It was mainly people from glitter and glam, artist people. Right. A lot of people anti rock and roll. Uh, just to total provocator. Uh, I think what happened was the arena rock. You know, we, we all a lot of that movement was reaction against arena rock. We we had lo lost club culture of '60s. If you, you know, like me, I'm 13 in 1970, so my whole life is the '70s as far as being conscious, like going to gigs. Yeah. I never heard of a club till punk. Right. That whole thing got left behind. Yeah, I know being with the Stooges and stuff, there was this huge thing in lots of garage bands and little labels in the 60s. But by the time the 70s came around, that all got rolled. And it turned into this huge industry. And the main idea was, you know, Nuremberg rallies. So you had these thousands and <laughs> thousands of people, <laughs> you know, uh, all liking the same band and, you know, whatever. You know. And nothing you could get close to in a way. Well, but no. you guys, let's talk no. about you guys. Yeah, well, the club thing changed everything. All of a sudden, you, you can talk to dudes. I could actually see that the bass said, that's why there's four strings that are bigger. You couldn't tell at Arena. They, they would be so far away, you know? I remember people, too, would say if it was a good gig, they wow, it sounded just like the record. Oh, I hated that. Probably was the record. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was the record. Yeah, I think ELO got sued for that or something. But anyway. <laughs> I love Jeff Lynne, though. No, and I'm not saying, you know, but maybe things got rough and you had to, look, Millie Fanilli, one of those guys killed himself. Now, oh, yeah, there's Millie a lot Vanilli. of bands I play with and I, I, I see the ear things in the drummy. He's got to play to a click. Yeah. There's a lot of backing tracks now. Oh, yeah. there's tons of back. Well, but nobody gets hell for it anymore. Those guys, they got their Grammy taken away. The dude went and killed himself. We saw, years, the, the first show they played back when they got back together and they yeah. played in Phoenix was a Tempe Music Festival. Yeah. And and the, the headliners for the Saturday night were the Meat Puppets for the first time forever, the Gin Blossoms, and Fergie. And we watched Fergie, because she danced, right? <laughs> she basically played her hits to backing tracks, yeah. but then she was doing these rock tunes that she sang. Yeah. And she was doing, I don't know if you remember, she did Black Dog, she did... Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> it was like Barracuda by Heart. Yeah, yeah. She wants to be a rocker chick. I'll tell a story later, but... She came in, she burst into the dressing room, and I guess Chris wasn't there because he doesn't remember it, but a bunch of us were sitting in the dressing room after the pups played, and the door flies open, and there's Fergie with two of her dancers, and she goes, oh my God, this is one of the greatest days of my life, I've always wanted to see the Meat Puppets live, I couldn't believe I got to see them, it was so fantastic, and blah, 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 and she goes like, oh, this really made my day, and then the 
she's gone and the door closes, right? And we're all looking at each other and we're like, okay, group acid flashback, obviously. Because that did not just... And we're just like, did Fergie just come in? Anyway, um, so... Well, there was... I remember uh, one of the Warp Tours had a Black Eyed Pea part. Oh, did it? I don't think she was with them yet. Yeah, they were... Uh, was it Jim Bossom? Didn't they lose their main guy, though? Yeah, no, yeah. that's a terrible story. That's yeah. a terrible story, you know? The, the dude that... That was a kid that like was you know in Phoenix, a little bit younger than Kurt and I, you know, but right right from close to the beginning of it all, you know. And uh, uh, Doug Hopkins was his name, and you know, and uh, he, you know, put bands together. He had bands together, him and the bass player in that band, you know, that went on to still be in the Gin Blossoms, you know. They still those guys still gig, you know, and uh, Doug had a bit of a fucking Schlosky problem, you know what I mean? Oh, I mean, dude. a little bit of the... Wet brain. A little bit, you know what I mean? A little damp. But after a while, you yeah. know, but he got to the point, I mean, what a cool name, you know? What a fucking catchy songs and stuff, you know? Now, that's that's a sad fucking yeah. situation. I mean, and that, that's what we're talking about here, you know? It's, it's like, what does it take to be a fucking rock band? You know what I mean? Yeah. And those guys got put up against it, you know? Yeah. The rest of the band got told by, like, you know, the money people that, you know, and I don't want to get into this shit, really, you know. But, I mean, you know, that Doug had to go. And it was his yeah. fucking band, right, man, right. You know what I mean? And he was the fucking leader of the whole thing. And like Sid Barrett getting thrown and, out of your Totally, you know what I mean? And the next thing you know, you fucking crawl back to your mom's house. But Doug actually took his t- took his life, you know what I mean? And it just, it was a, a strange kind of a fucking time, you know. And and those guys are pals, you know. And, and you know, and, and they managed to put, keep it together and move on and make hits of their own, you know, that, that yeah. he didn't come up with you know but i don't know that's some fucking touchy shit and we'll edit this part out okay <laughs> fuck no, that but i just remember the tragedy it did when it, you was, said it was it was it was and you know and it was right around the time that fucking cobain right. decided that he had to you know take the right, same you know right. choice of action or whatever you know and that was heavy that's all heavy shit you know but let's talk about some other heavy shit well for that second, gig Michael. back at the la press club and i tell Greg Ginn the next day. I just saw a band, man. Love this. You Talk gotta, about you this, Michael. You gotta check it out. And uh, he checks it. He asked them to make an album, go on tour. I mean, they fell in love with you guys. Yep. And I didn't know I had that much persuasion power. Michael. <laughs> I just It just blew my mind. And I, I just talked it up with him. I said, you know, just, just see for yourself, man. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I'll take the blame if I wasted your time. Absolutely. And, uh, okay, I'll check it. I mean, those days, Greg Ginn was a guy who would talk to you eight How'd or nine you hours on Greg? the phone. Okay, how we meet Greg? Uh, finally, the Clash are going to play here. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but by this time, they're like just rock and roll band with yeah. bright clothes. H- but they're going to play here. And the Dills are going to open in Bo Diddley. The fucking Dills. Yeah, Man, and Bo I Diddley. Love and the Dills. Was and Bo at the Civic Diddley. for a punk gig at the Santa Monica Civic was pretty. Yeah. I think it was in uh, January of 79 or something like this. Right. And um, there's these dudes handing out flyers in the parking lot. And uh, it's the gig's going to be in Pedro. It's at a team post. We had these things called team posts. Huh? Actually, they made things for, uh, especially in the hoods and stuff, people could hang out and not maybe get in trouble. And we had one in Pedro. It just got redone, a team, team post. And Dukowski apparently went and, 
you know, they didn't know shit about Shinola, so we'll rent it to you for a gig. You know, a lot of the, the ethnic calls, Ukrainian, Polish, Italian, American, yep. they didn't know Bowie from Johnny Rotten. They didn't care, you know, as long as right, somebody right. Yep. renting it out. Yeah, t- truth be told, the rock and rollers hated punk more than the Square Johns. They really, I, it's much different nowadays, but in those days, man, did rock and roll people hate. They didn't see our thing as part of rock and roll. Right. And I, like I was, I was telling you earlier, too, some people were anti-rock and roll because, because of the so weird thing with the arena rock and all that. And, and Anyway, fuck, you need shit like that, right? I mean, farmer would tell you, you want a good crop, you need some manure. So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, you could have tried to have a punk gig in Pedro. Right. And I remember Dukowski was like, yeah, what about it? I said, because we're from Pedro, man, and people don't have punk gigs there. They're the only punks. And he says, you're the only punks? She, you mean there's a punk band in Pedro? I said, yeah, it's us. That's how you guys met. And we were called Reaction. We weren't called Minutemen. Right. I could get into that story, too. But anyway, Dude. he says, you want to open? Now, this was at a time, I think, you got to understand, in the old days, rock and rollers, yeah, square jaw, just most people hated punk. They just hated it. So if you found a dude who was into it, you could almost trust, I think it was like maybe long hair before Charlie Manson. If that guy's got balls to wear long hair, you can trust him a little bit. So Charlie broke down the after, fucking... After he, a while, He broke yeah. down the barrier between the fucking... And, and if there was a dude you saw looking weird, you know, or people are saying, fuck you, Devo to him or something. I asked Mother was Bob about that. He said, yeah, what was that about? That was one of me. I, I was like that, you know? I was all like, you know, fucking, what about the Tasty Licks? You know, my brother. You know what I mean? So anyway, I guess they just thought, you know, if these guys are... Crazy enough to have a punk band, Pedro. You you open up. That's how you met those dudes. That's how we met them. You know, we didn't know them. Shy. Now for Hollywood people, anybody south of Melrose, I guess, was the beach. Because <laughs> first, so even though they're, we're on the east side of the peninsula, we're in the harbor, right? And they're on the west side, Hermosa Beach, Redondo right. Beach. Cool guys. We're all beach. Yeah. To those people, for us, we don't know. You know, I remember the old time Pedro slang for them was. Da- uh, Dabbies. Dabbies? D- dappies. Yeah, like the dappies. Dapper. Oh, oh no, dapper. So, so totally dappies. D. Boone's half-brother, Jim. You know, this guy had a low-rider car, was uh, in the Marines, and a biker guy. and a, Yeah, take a claw hammer, and they'd always put their surfboards against the wall on the strand, you know. So put, you know put holes in the... I mean, there wasn't ah. a lot of love between Pedro... And the dappies. And the dappies. And we oh, must. Okay. We're more the, uh, the harbor industrial. They're more the... But actually, us and flag guys... We're part of the punk movement, so we're kind of hated within that. We don't belong in that. So in a way, that's what united us. Like Watson, right? I still play with Tom Watson. Great cat. I love Manhattan Tom. Beach. Tell Tom I said hey. But what happened was because the punk situation. <laughs> I will. I will. Probably. Thanks, man. We were all kind of closer to each other. It didn't matter what part. You know when you fly over here, it looks like one town, but it's really 150 towns. And nobody really knows each other, especially in those days. Right. So when we all meet together, you know, on the weekends, all 200 punks, you could see the dudes that, you know, looks like Joe Biza, very distinct. You could see these dudes, Tell but Joe you didn't I really know I. these guys. You didn't know their towns. You didn't know anything. I didn't know the Valley. I didn't know Empire, right. uh, Inland Empire. I didn't know Venice. I didn't know S&M, you know, Santa Monica. But you or, and D were playing together already. Well, yeah, well... 
I could get into that. You, know, you were but, already playing together when you met Dukowski. Well, this is where the rea- fucking- yeah. Well, this is where the reactionaries comes in. Me and D Boone actually start playing at thirteen. At third fucking teen. So nineteen seventy. Ah, Jesus, punk. dude. What happens is I come here in '67 from, from Virginia, Virginia because uh, it's closer to Vietnam. My pop is an engine room uh, guy in the Navy, a chief. Um, what do you call it? Machinist mate. And, you know, you get the orders, 30 days, you're going to report, you know, Pedro. Uh, well, a few years here, we like it, you know, but he gets the orders again. They just, he's a nuclear, they trained him in nuke stuff. Jesus. Wow. And, yeah, he killed, ends up killing him at 52, you know. Never again volunteer yourself. Told me about Nate. That's what he said? <laughs> well, he was 17. He's from a little farm. It was, you know, no punk bands. Yeah, it was the only what way What was your dad's town. name, Mike? I never Dick knew. Dick Watt. My pop was a dick. It was Dick Richard? It was really James Richard, but James Richard. The Southern his people from Arkansas, they never said first names. Right. <laughs> you know, why not just call So he was Dick. Like, I never James. heard him called Jim James ever. Right. Wow. So he's Dick. But my mom when she was pissed to be Richard. What was your mom's name? Jane. Jane. Yeah. Dick and Jane? Jean. Jean. Oh, Jane. Jane. Oh, okay. Got it. She took Veronica for her name. For Veronica, not yeah, the one done. where that she wipes the loogies and the Christ gets the face in the scarf. Absolutely. Like, she's a, p- a prostitute, so if you're, like, kind of in the Catholic school, you want to belage, you pick that name. And ma- <laughs> our mom was yeah. Vera, right? Right. Got a little V-E-R going on there, See? you know? See? So Vera the, Pearl. So I come here, but anyway, he gets orders, and now Enterprise, that's what's the name of this boat. They just retired her. But she's the first new aircraft carrier, and it's going to be in Alameda, which I don't know if you know, it's 400 miles north. Yes. Across from San Francisco. My mom says, fuck that. No more moving. So we can't stay in the Navy housing. So we have to move to Proj. And they had built some newer Proj next to some older Proj. D. Boone lived in the older Proj. We were both connected with the same park called Peck Park. Cat, 100 years ago, got us free from the railroad. He was actually a conductor, too. He worked for those fuckers. This guy, guy named Huntington. They, yeah, yeah. They named the beat. His, his stepson ended up a great... Art collector and shit, but he was a dick, man. But anyway, not to veer off the, the course there. I meet D. Boone. He jumps out of a tree on me. Uh-huh. You know, I'm walking around. I just moved in. And this dude jumps out of a tree on me. And I guess he was playing with his buddies. There was this ridge of tr- uh, trees along this cliff thing. You know, and I'm walking through in this. He had big bones in, too. Big Ben. And he knocks me down. He goes, <laughs> you're not Eskimo. No, because his next door neighbor, he was a cool guy. I think his name was, I can't remember, but his nickname was Eskimo. I said, no, I ain't Eskimo. And his buddies had ran off. So, you know, hey, I just moved here. Can I show you where I live? I don't know why. I I asked him that, you know, because it was a trippy thing. Dude landed on me, and his buddies were gone. So, okay. So as we're walking to my pad, we're walking across the big baseball fields, right? Three diamonds. He starts rattling off. Now, I'd never heard of this guy, Not right? We're 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And his half-brother Jim had given him an album called Class Clown by a dude named George Carlin. Oh, wow. I'd never heard of George Carlin. Uh, but then the only rock band he heard of was Creedence. He didn't know Cream. He didn't know who. He didn't know. At least it was a good band. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a whole story behind that, too. I mean, that, all this stuff was very important, it seems, down the road. Anyway, he had memorized that fucking album. He'd heard it so many times. So he's rattling off all the bits. And, you know, I'm walking. Is he playing already? 
I, I found out about that the next day. But all I know him for is this dude. I think he's making all this shit up right. on the fly. <laughs> oh. And I'm thinking, yeah, because I've never heard George Carl. I ain't fuck. Not even Lenny Bruce. I'm 12, you know. Some shit on Ed Sullivan's show, maybe. And Jackie Gleason. I didn't know a lot about comedy, you know. I did later, a little bit. Like, I got into fucking, uh, um, what's his name? I just mentioned. Lenny Bruce. Oh, Lenny Bruce. I got into him yeah, big time. Then I found out there was a connection with him and George Carlin. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know, though. But Carlin went all the way back to the 50s. But I had no idea. So I'm walking with this guy, and I think this is the smartest motherfucker in the world. D. And <laughs> yeah, because I think he's just, he's wheeling off these fucking bits. And he's a big dude at 12? Oh, yeah, yeah. And big, thick glasses. No contacts yet. Really thick glasses. And he's just reeling them off, and I'm like, fuck. And I, it was, I was just smitten right there. I don't know why. It was like, fuck. And right there, one of the great fucking rock and roll partnerships comes was birthed. That. Absolutely. Wow. Now, the next day, Minutemen. and I show him the new apartment, you know, stucco thing, you know. It, it ain't beat up Proj because it's kind of new, you know, but. Uh, but it's Proj. It's still Proj, yeah. And yeah. so uh, he's on the other side of the grade school down the hill, the old Proj. And this was like fucking Navy housing from the Second yeah. World War. Right. It should have been torn down, but they kept it for Econo people. And he brings me to his pad. And what's the first thing he does? He plays me fucking Glass Clown by George Carlin. Awesome. I was like, Boone, you didn't make any of this up. <laughs> like, so right, he never tried to ride that, you know. And that, I didn't even tell him, okay. Right. But he shattered all that. But it was too late. <laughs> now, his mom comes in while we're listening to this shit. And she looked exactly like, uh, remember Hollywood Squares? There was a lady on there. Well, she was on the Dick Van Dyke show. She up that dude, Maury Amsterdam, oh, write oh, scripts. Rosemary. Rose That's yeah. what his ma, Marge, Margie Boone. Margie Boone. Like. What's, uh, what's uh, Steve's uh, dad's name? Uh, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Boone. Daniel Dennis. And Daniel Boone Dennis. Is Dennis Daniel. Fuck. Yeah. His birthday is tomorrow. It's important to know this stuff. Tomorrow. Daniel Boone became Dennis kind be? of my surrogate 50, pop. Because my pop. tomorrow? He would be 57. 50 fucking seven. Because I'm 57, born in 57. Sweet. Ain't we been around for a minute, Michael? Okay, go ahead. We've been around a minute. Anyway, she comes in. She had a raspy voice. She smoked a lot of cigarettes. Raspy voice. But cool lady, open-minded. And when she was a girl, she played guitar. She goes, why don't you show them the guitar? You know, I've, I've had you start, because at the record store, in the, in the old days, that's where all the music happened. Right. You bought the, the things at the record store oh, or yeah. pawn stores. There was no real music. Those were more like school band instrument shit. But at the record store, you know, they would, and he was, there was a dude there named Roy Mendez Lopez who lived in his car, in his Volkswagen. He took out the back seat and was in the front side seat. And, and dude he worked lived at the in the music him. store? I mean, the this guy store? was a guy converted over to uh, uh, Krishna and fine old clothes and uh, shoe polish him white, and build his own guitars, <laughs> his own violins. Yeah, practice, practice. He talked like a little mouse. And he's the guy that she hired. To show D Boone guitar. And that's and in those days, what you did was you would um, copy records. So, you know, right. nobody. And D was playing then. D was playing, and then and now here's her idea, because we're going to start junior high, right? This is a summer between sixth grade and seventh grade. In those days, that was grade school and junior high. Right. Uh, she was always paranoid, a little bit. Okay. Like we had this lake bias called Harbor Lake. Actually, it was some slough that the fucking refinery used as a toilet. Now, that's nature. But anyway, slurry. The slurry. Right? You know, they found 
a dead body. You know, we nah, always that's meet okay. They found him dead body. <laughs> He's got a tumor. Let so it pass. Anyway, anyway <laughs> you know, you know how some people don't run with those scissors. You're gonna poke an eye out. Well, her thing was there was a body at Harbor Lake. Right. They could call it Lake Machado now. <laughs> they dra- they dragged it for all the bodies are gone. But anyway, she was always saying this. And here we're gonna make the big leap to junior high. So, you guys are gonna have a band. Wow. That's wow. what she Came says. The first day I meet her, the second day I met D. Boone, you're going to have a band. And now he has a little brother named Joe and who can do drums. Right. He's got a snare drum. Uh, uh, we need one more person. Because on the back of the albums, it seemed the minimal thing was drum, guitar, and bass. So you're going to be the bass. She I told no, you that. Yeah, I had no D. idea. D. Boone's fucking, mom told you that. D. I had no idea what the fucking bass was. Kind of created the Minutemen? Oh, no. She totally did. <laughs> But it wasn't like, like I said, and then I take D. Boone, we go on our first gig, 14 years old, uh, the next year, when our first gig is T-Rex. Okay. So all my, a lot of my music stuff, even though I had, I had eight tracks, see, I knew about some bands he didn't, uh-huh. but he got into them later. And then uh, Roy Mendes Lopez would, you know, help figure out, show us how to, he didn't want to show us. He uh-huh. wanted us to learn ourselves. Actually, he wanted to, do something which the punk movement ended up doing for us. Use music as expression. Before we were like building models, you would try to copy the song. Right. You know, it's like, no, maybe you got something to say. That's what music can be. It's not just about copying other records. I mean, nobody in Pedro at this time, you know, we people in junior high and then high school, they're playing music too. No one is writing their own songs. It's much different these days. Maybe that's just what it was in Pedro, but man, it was dead as far as uh, using music as expression. Anyway, I don't know what a bass really is. Now, I'm, I'm, you can see in the pictures on the album covers, it looks like a guitar with just four, there's four tuners. Uh-huh. So I just thought it had four strings. So I end up playing a guitar from the pawn shop on 6th Street. I think it's a Tesco or something. Melody Plus. Or something. Okay. Maybe he had the Melody Plus. But anyway, I, I remember they were $10 each. And I just took two of the high two strings off. Thought that I didn't have any idea it was lower. I had no <laughs> idea. In fact, there was a lot of shit that was not accessible to us. We, you know, we we didn't know about tuning. Uh, we thought if you played down on the corner, yeah. See, this is where credence is really important. Now, this only rock band. D. Boone's God. daddy is from Nebraska, and before they moved to Pedro, D. Boone's lived. dad's from Nebraska, right? Because my folks are from Nebraska. Right, I know. Omaha, right? Yeah. He's a little town between there and Lincoln. So and they hooked far, up in Lincoln. Mom far, and Dad hooked up in Lincoln. Okay. When they were going that's to school That's the capital, there. right? Yeah, and the school's there. They were going to school. <coughs> that's where Kirk came from. Uh, Corn Huskers. Fucking A. Big Red. Big oh, Red. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I, yeah, I play other, there all the time. I think the club is, is Knickerbockers. And There's Knickerbockers. There used to be the fucking drumstick. Remember the drumstick Drumstick, that's right. <laughs> And then Omaha still got there. That's the bigger town. And they had homers. and Still got a little family there, you know? Yeah, is that right? My cousin. You know? Well, but, but, but when he got into the Navy, he did six years in the Navy. And he moved to Bakersfield. He liked Buck- Bakersfield. And he really got into fucking Buck Owens. Ah, Buck. So that's why that was the Creedence thing. Oh. That's yeah. why he, you can hear some rock and roll, but let's make it kind of country rock and roll. Yeah. But actually, Fogarty put in R&B and... St- Soul and Southern rock, yeah, Scotty Moore. 
all kinds Swamp of Swamp Rock. Yeah, everything. Uh, Fogarty was. That's Fogarty. That's Fogarty. Yeah, yeah. It's actually as his older brother Bambi takes it over. He takes it over. But anyway, he makes him now, do what he wants now, to do. You know, we're kind of okay. So we're talking about you know, five dollar stereo. You know, with the speakers on the wires and. The, oh, that was your PA. You got no, no. This oh, is the oh. record player. Oh, okay. Okay, it's on the ground. It's purple. Album covers is for Clean and Mota. You don't put records in there. The, 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 for Clean and Mota. The you can put your weed in the, there. Especially the double albums, right? Mm. The, the, they're laying on the deck. There's like grape juice on them. Shit, you got to put like five quarters on the stylus to keep it from skipping. Oh, I can't. The I days. Can, I cannot days. hear. Yeah, but I can't hear what the bass is doing. Didn't know what it was. No fucking idea what they're playing. So I thought, I, I looked at the album covers right. and I thought, wow, maybe if I wear the singer's shirts, D Boom will still like me. The singer shirt. I didn't. Know, yeah, because I'm not. You know, Navy Housing. I wasn't farmer or lumberjack. I didn't know what a fucking flannel was. I thought that was his kind of rock and roll shirt. You know, Mark Boland so has flannel a flannel. Fogarty. Yeah. So I thought if I wear flannels, D Boom will still like me because I cannot figure out the bass. <laughs> now there was U.S. stuff I could like R and B. They'd make trebly guitar. So Larry Graham, especially oh, love Larry Graham, but in Sly's band, but especially James Jamerson on all the Motown Fuck stuff. That. That's There's the guy the where I could hear. I gotta say though, over in England, they were not afraid to mix the bass loud. So Fuck, no, really John nice. Entwistle, oh. Geezer John, Butler, John Trevor Paul Bowler, Jones, John Paul Jones, Paul fucking McCartney. Um, <laughs> at those times, everybody liked the Beatles. So but that guy's a like, good. Fucking but bass you could player. hear, you could hear. You could okay? hear the fucking bass. The, the Irish, uh, a Scottish guy. Um, Jack Bruce, cream, oh Jack, cream guy. Jesus Christ, huge! You know he passed away last. I was, last I was playing year. in Rest Mobile. Peace, brother Jack. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, I know he lived hard, right? It's tough being a bass life. player. Yeah, and he made it to what seventy-one or something. But man, it hit me hard. And I had to play a gig that night. It was in Mobile, and then we got done with the gig and conked it. Opening band, Cats Pad, and. You know this YouTube.com with the, I just started watching the little things of Jack yeah. playing and shit. I never oh, done that man. before, but man, it, some bourbon. He's a singer too, though. You know, that yeah, dude yeah, can sing. You know, oh yeah. What about yeah. you and me? We don't sing much. You sing some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like yeah. to sing? Well, Jack sang. Yeah, Clapton did too. He sang. Yeah, but, but Jack, Jack had sang the, the hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Especially early but on. man, he he had some wild ass. He would oh, jump totally. out of the, and I could hear him. The, the even animals, even kinks. The, the, the England guys weren't afraid to put the bass up loud. Oh, totally. Animals. I don't know why. My first Our thing lines. was about mushy bass. Yeah. You listen to Grand Funk and stuff. You know, woo, woo, woo. Now, the gigs though. were like that because you, you understand, when you see those pictures of old arena rock, you see all the maps because they were only using the PA for the singing. They had to power the band. You'll see like eight SVTs. Right. It was like insane. The sounds were so bad. So bad. That's why the punk thing was so profound when we saw that, man. When you heard a band and you were up close, it was just way different arena rock. Well, like Even though they guys. were just learning how to... Ah, not seeing you guys. You know what I mean? You... Well, this is us being coming through that filter of coming the movement. Coming through that filter thing. Being en enabled. And Georgie had, like, fucking <coughs> chops. You know what I mean? There Georgie's a guy later. Georgie's a very interesting guy. Georgie's a guy who's a fucking happening guy in high school at Pedro High. At Pedro High. We're all in the same grade, right? Class 76. And Georgie's got big old sphere. Uh, the fucking douche. Yeah, not yet. Not in yet, high school, it's a sphere. It's like a sphere. NBA. He's or, or there was an NBA. Uh, there was NBA, but the ones with the wild guys, like Dr. J, was ABA. Oh, like, okay. ABA. Yeah. Julius Irvin. Yeah. That, that sphere. Right. 
And Georgie had one of them things, but he did surfboard. in the sphere. He did he, some, he, he made them. And he went and lived in Hawaii. He went and did Georgie two trips. Did? He was living on the beach eating coconuts, but the, wee, wee, the waves beat him down, almost killed him. Ah. So he quit it. And in fact, he gives it all up for drums. He buys uh, Happy Jack, this Who album. Uh, and he learns yeah. drums from Keith Moon, <laughs> putting on the headphones. Wow. And then where he used to work on them surfboards, not. And he taught him that. And the problem with me and D Boone living in First Proj and then uh, apartments, you can't play drums in there. In fact, the funny thing, get ahead of myself a little bit, but when we put together the Minutemen, no drummer. It's me and D Boone. When's Boone, this? In, in fact, 35 years ago this January. Sweet. See, because that first band that we met the flag guys with, that was uh, reactionaries. Reactionaries. Now, D Boone, okay, I'll go, let me go before that, okay? So, you know, we're, we're playing in the bedroom after school now, you know, American Woman for four hours. It's his ma, <laughs> is it, she ain't grooming us for the big leagues or the gong show or any of that shit. Right. She's doing child care, econo child care. You know, right. keeping us in the house. Now, it's early 70s. There's not a lot of guns, but there's fighting and shit, you know. In fact, a lot of the moths, in the proj, a lot of moths fight. Well, there's not a lot of pops, mm. you know. Actually, it wasn't as, as dangerous, but there was some fighting. So anyway, you know, the dead body at Harbor Lake, you know, so we got to stay in the house. <laughs> and, like, and, her, and her neighbors would say, how can you stand, you know, nah, nah, nah. I mean, for hours and hours, we would do like one lick over and over. And uh, you know, even though the amps were like, you know, she's just five watts or something, you'd put them up on the dresser. Joe Boone would put a, a paperback book on the top of the snare, and that was kind of the kick drum. And then there was a little metal stand that held the TV, and that was the hi-hat cymbal thing. So, ding, ding, ding. I mean, wow. we, this was winky-dink shit, but her neighbor, her, uh, the other Ma's, man, how can you stand that noise? And you know what she would say? I know where my son's at. Yeah. See, so her thing, it was very practical, but it ended up being very aesthetic and artistic. Care. Now, Deep, she also got him into painting. Deep Boone, oh, actually, yeah. for his big and... He was an artistic guy. You wouldn't know it because, uh, like, for example, we play football. Uh-huh. Everybody get a shot at tackling him because he wasn't that fast, but he was hard to bring down, man. Yeah, Deep was a pretty uh, fucking... That, yeah, but he was... He was, he was uh, if you looked at the end of his finger, he was a finesse guy. He was an artistic guy. Hey. I was more thug than him, much more. So anyway... <laughs> We're playing with a guy named Mark Weiswasser. They're going to shut down. One good thing about the Vietnam War ending, it's like, we don't need all these bases. Let's start shutting them down. And before they dug out the lower reservation of Fort MacArthur, uh, they rented out the rec room. And his buddy of ours, Mark Weiswasser, he, he deals cards in Las Vegas now. But he has this chrome stainless steel drum set. And, and you, D. Boone, you can play behind me. And they had some hippie lady singing. And we were copying songs, of course. I think Tie Your Mother Down and Dust in the Wind and like, some bullshit. And we're all sweaty. <laughs> so we're taking a breather, come outside. And Nicky B, he's a Pedro dude, the Jesus. Fr- drummer of the weirdos. Yeah, now you go. He back. comes walking by. He's wearing a Kotex around his neck. He's got his hair out like Vaseline, you know. <laughs> like we've seen pictures of these guys. No one knew what punk sounded like, but there were some pictures in the Cream magazine. And he <laughs> show you how fucking weird these days were. Hey, there's a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. <laughs> we're like, yeah. So we go up. It was the bags. Oh wow! Fucking and uh, the first thing I said, you know, I wasn't even thinking. It just dropped out of my mouth. I 
looked at Dee Boone and said, we can do this. And that was but it. He didn't want to ma- he, no, he didn't want to make a punk band at first. Because there was a lot of heavy weight. It's nothing like today. They're just I think it was like making a line in the sand. I don't know what it was. I know when I put that picture of Richard Hill on my base, it was a line on the sand. But even this, just me and D Boone talking about doing a band where you write your own songs, you know. So I in fact I saw one. They're they're giving away for free now, but they're called the recycler. Yeah. Did you have shit like this? The ads were for free, but you'd buy them at the 7-Eleven. I got all my cars, all my music stuff. This is before internet, right? We're yeah, talking yeah. in the 70s. Like a... Also, there's ads, and there still is. For bands? And and and, and, and for yeah, dudes, we... too. So there's this thing on Santa Monica Boulevard, uh-huh. West Hollywood here. We need a bass player. So I said, D. Boone, I'm going to answer this ad. He said, okay, you go do that. So I went up there, and I, of course, at this time, it's, you know, 77, there's like 300 guys hitchhiking out here. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> they weren't really hitchhiking. Yeah, I didn't no, know. I, I blew by the address. I come back around, and all of a sudden, well, four guys moved, run up to the window. You know, nobody says anything. I, He's like, hey, how you doing? I, I moved here in the 80s, and I, I, I always have a hard time, because I think it was 84 they cleaned everything up. Well, no, as soon as the AIDS thing, that's what. Yeah, but they used of, to be. there used to be on Sunset, there would be the... The straight hookers and on Santa Monica. Was... Yeah, up by Director Guild. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's that's where that guy that uh, what's his name, the England man. Oh, uh, oh right. uh, Hugh? Um, Hugh. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah. And then the Boys Town was here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, that's where uh, Eddie I mean, Murphy but was. I didn't know. You know, I'm, I'm a young man, and I'm, I'm starting to go to get. You know, handsome I went and saw man. the whiskey. <laughs> it was like Sunday afternoon. Four uh-huh. bands for four dollars. I mean, there was nothing like this. Right. Although I will say Arena Rock was cheap, like that T Rex gig was two fifty. California Jam was six. Yeah, because gigs wasn't their own like industry oh, yet. It was yeah. promo for albums. They wanted people to buy the albums. Right. So they toured for, uh, Econo. Anyway, I blew by. You know, and these guys. I go in there and I meet the drummer man, and it was his daddy's electric shop. And I said, man, with all these dudes hitchhiking, why don't they charter a bus? Because <laughs> man. No, like, where are they going? He goes, they're going anywhere that you want to, man. They're whores. <laughs> and they went, they're whores. Like, they're whores. Yeah. Yeah. The hooies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, bing, bing. So what we do, we jam. I want him. And he's got a, a lady singer and a, a guy on guitar. And we do, I want to be your dog for like four hours, five hours. Oh, just nice. once. <laughs> I was like, I like, yeah, so I do that. I come back home, drive back to Pedro, you know. Get the amp in the VW bug, you know. And uh, I tell D. Boone, man, we, yeah. I played with these guys, man. We did Stooges for four hours. And D. Boone says, okay, I'll make a band with you. And that's the start. That's, that's, that's when he'll make a punk started. band. But he doesn't like this band. Uh, we get Georgie, because like I was telling you before, no apartments and stuff, so we need a drummer who's got a pad where you can have drums. Georgie mm. had that shed. He converted it. In fact, there was a sign on the hatch. It said, Olympic bonging team. Sweet. Because <laughs> it's right across the street from the high school. So at lunchtime, you know, all the rippers. Yeah, right. you know, we'd have keggers back there. You know, the first the first batch, all the grass would die off, all yellow and shit. Then it'd grow back really high, bright green, fluorescent, you know, from all the pissing and shit. Stoner, <laughs> 70s, stone, 70s was like big stoner. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And Pedro was really heavy on Jimi Hendrix. I gotta be proud of that of my town. I mean, there were some other corny bands, you know, like Grand Funk and shit. That Red Record, everyone had that. But they were they were heavily into Hendrix, probably because we're kind of mixed. 
Mm. Pedro is very well. SoCal is, but especially Pedro too. Pedro is a different flavor. And we we got a lot of mixtures, and I, I thought that was cool. But still, we needed something like the movement. We had to write our own songs, make our own band. You know, thank God for the movement in that way. Not really instruction manual, but like other peckers, you know, you're part of this thing without having to copy. You know. So then you and D started writing. So songs. so no, because D Boone don't really like this band, and there's a guy named Martin singing. He's only doing this band so I don't go and ad, answer another ad in a recycler or something. I don't know. You know, because uh, I'm always looking for his approval, you know, all this time. But uh, what happens is he starts getting, you know, onto the thing. And it's not just scary looks is part of the, the theater, right? The, the, the fake last names. The Yeah, Je- Nicky Beat is actually Jeff Avicevich, you know. I, the, uh, <laughs> I still don't know Darby's name or Spot's name or something. You know, it didn't matter though. It was like you're in this. It's time to be creative, yeah. Which is something we never talked about. You just, with when it came to music, you copied things, and so all of a sudden we're in this whole thing. So the reactionaries goes for about a year and a half, and he quits. He even finds another dude to take his place. It's like Deepu, I don't want to be in a fucking band without you. So I quit too, and then he comes back three months later with this idea for the Minutemen. Now he asked me to. He came up, who came up with the name? Yeah, he asked me to make a list of names. So I got all these fucking, you know, I don't know, turd purse, you know, wedding tool. Turd purse. <laughs> but one of, one of them money is, maker. a lot of them. <laughs> wait, wait, one of them, you know, a lot of the shit, this is, this is the way that we're really different than hardcore, our scene. Right. Even though we're not separated by a lot of years, but in those days, a couple of years, there was huge chain, like Jack from TSOL. He's only oh, yeah. a couple of years from us, but it's almost another universe. Nowadays, 10 years go by, it's still the same thing. Those days was way, way different that way. You know, I have a question about that, because yeah. I, I was talking to Chris the other day. The core of the SST bands all kind of invented hardcore, but then moved on. Every one of those bands moved on to their oh, own thing. When I, when I call hardcore, I'm talking about, because uh, you got to say Ian Mackay there in Washington, yeah. D.C. Come on. He, he, he had, yep. It was part of minor threat. Discord. They had the core, yeah, Minor yeah. Threat. and uh, But he would only make D.C. albums. No, hardcore was the young people. Because punk wasn't young people at first. No, no it, it was, was glitter. And, stoners. You know, yeah, it was older people. The first time when, I when saw the, you was When the kids came, and, and, yeah. and what happened was, that old scene burned out. And you was, said that. You, you said were only that. playing for the young people, okay? Mm-hmm. But they, the, the big difference is, they didn't go to arena rock. Punk is their first rock. We're like, that's why we call the reactionaries. We're reacting against our own scene. These cats, they're just, even though it's only a few years difference, right. they didn't have that, you know, so-called education of Nuremberg rallies. You know, they got right into it where you could start your own band. They also had to take shit. They're still going to high school and shit and having jocks beat their ass. I mean, we, we don't have their experience in a lot of ways, but they're the dudes we end up playing for because that other scene kind of just died. Yeah. They died. Away. A lot of them died. It was a real Died, yeah, literally kind of died. Literally they lived died. really rough or they just got bored and fucked these little kids. And, and what. There was a lot of anger. Yeah. Like they invented the scene and they should be able to still run it and like things don't change and grow. I don't know. I don't know. There was some resentment. Other dudes like Brendan, he went along with it and Don. Brendan did Don, well. Don Don's Bowles. still around. Yeah, you know what I mean? But Brendan's some dudes gone. got so br- bitter they quit and everything, you know, and uh, dropped out. So We kept at it. We kept it. No, what the, I think what 
made us different. Now, you gotta, I think only the Dills had a, a boat, a van. Where's the Dills These at? guys, well, they were actually from Carlsbad. They around Diego. still, those dudes? But they ain't doing that much music. I love I those I think Tony uh, builds sets for Hollywood. Chip does tattoos. And... But what changed us was the flag thing. Greg Ginn, when he was younger, mm-hmm. he told me he had ham radio. That's what SST stands for, Solid State Transmitter. He talked to dudes on radio as a teenager. So he knew about dudes that weren't in your own town. He comes up with the idea He's of touring. He's a ham radio guy. That's, and he gets into the touring. That's what made us different than the, the, those bands. Right. They wouldn't go and play all the different towns. And of course, when Flag did this, they were like seeding hardcore to everyone. We were doing our own kind of seed toss, but I think it was very valuable because we showed them that punk wasn't a style, that you could, whatever you do. Especially if you think about Meat Puppets, Who's Could Do, Minutemen, where all three using just guitar, bass, and drums and sound completely different. You know, it's like that skater that made that patch that said punk is whatever we made it to be. D. Boone really said that. And it, looking back on it, it was pretty... D-Boom could say shit like that. He knew how to distill shit. That ends part one of our conversation with Mike Watt. Please tune in next week when Mike will talk about Firehose, playing with Iggy Pop, and why Mitch Mitchell used to carry two buckets with him on stage while playing with Jimi Hendrix.
Today's show was recorded at Winslow Court Studios in Hollywood, California.